Hello and welcome to Talk To Me. This is your host, Max Ernst. And I'm Katie Ernst. And we are here, as always, to talk to you about things that talk to us. But first, a word from our sponsor. This episode of Talk To Me is brought to you by the Alexa Conference, presented by VoiceFirst.fm. The conference is a worldwide gathering of Alexa developers and enthusiasts that will be held January 15th through 17th, 2019 in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Our listeners get a special deal, 20% off, when you use our promo code TALKTOME, all one word. We'll be there so you can actually talk to me or Katie in person. You can get your tickets at www.voicefirst.fm slash alexaconference. And don't worry, the website will be in the show notes. And don't forget to use promo code TALKTOME for 20% off. See you there. Okay, so that's an ad, and we're getting paid for that. Woohoo! But beyond that, I would do this ad even if I weren't getting paid, although maybe not with all that level of detail just because, you know, that's what you get paid for. But I was actually at the Alexa conference last year in Chattanooga, and so I can tell you that it is a really wonderful conference. First of all, I was highly skeptical of its location because Tennessee is already, like, not on a coast, and then Chattanooga is not the biggest city in Tennessee, and so you're like, where am I going? But you get to Chattanooga, and it is a really cool place. I was actually really happy to have gone. Like, uh, I took a trolley tour of the city, and I told Max about it. I'm like, this place is really awesome. Like, it actually made me think that I would consider moving to someplace that's not on a coast because it was so nice, and the people were so friendly, and then that's the city. But then the um, conference itself, like, I met so many amazing people from so many um, various, you know, voice companies or, you know, independent voice developers. I met um, people from Rain, which we're going to talk about them later, about an event that I went to recently that also involved that company. And um, I just met, well, basically everyone that I talked to on Twitter, but, you know, hadn't actually met in person. And it's really, really fun. So if you have any type of interest in voice technology, it's not really that expensive. And I will hang out with you and drink alcohol with you. And you get 20% off if you use the promo code. Talk to me, all one word. (laughs) Thank you, Max. You're welcome. Okay. Now, back to the show. So the first thing we're going to talk about is there was news today of a sort of major investment into a game on Alexa, a game that we had heard about before um, and were interested in playing, but had not yet because it doesn't exist yet. It comes out July 2nd. Anyway. (laughs) Uh, this game is called When in Rome, and it's an interactive game that is a board game that works with your um, sound device from Amazon. That right. I forgot what we were going to call it. Lexi? Yeah. Oh, oh, nobody complained yet, to be fair. Although maybe we have no listeners because we've like met, made so many ang- people angry that they won't listen to us anymore. True. So. Okay, so we'll, we'll say Lexi from now on. Yes, but you were going to say something else. Well, I was just going to say that if you know me at all, you know that I'm a huge board game geek. I We own how many board games? Like hundreds of board games? I, I don't think hundreds. We may own 70. No, we own at least 100, including card games. Definitely at least 100. In any event, we own a lot. We're approaching have- 100. Okay, I'm going to count after this episode. Remind me, and then on the next episode, I will report back as to how many board games we own. Now... I always used to think that I was not a nerd because apparently all of my friends were bigger nerds than me for a long time. And so it's like, I'm not really a nerd. I only have 100 board games, whereas my friends have like 300 board games and they like follow board game people on Twitter or, you know, they play a lot of D&D and I only play D&D with them. 
or they went to Comic-Con way before it was cool, and I only went to Comic-Con slightly before it was cool, and then paid money to get autographs from people from Star Trek. You know what I mean? But the point is, is that I am a huge nerd, and so the idea of this When in Rome game, it sounds so cool because, I don't know, board game, voice technology, it just sounds like it would be really cool. And apparently the idea is you get to, like, travel around the world to, like, 20 different locales and... They actually just raised $3.2 million in funding. Yes. Because that they, was the big news that they raised that much funding. They were a participant in the Alexa um, Techstars uh, Accelerator uh, that was last summer, I believe. And um, they received $3.2 million in funding. Uh, they just announced. And they're going to actually be releasing the game on in July 2nd. And they're in theory going to have like updates that can come through your device later on after that yeah and they're just gonna be like recording they're gonna have more voice acting and more um music commissioned for it so that when you play like you really feel like you're in nairobi or you really feel like you're in australia or whatever the places are and they said that they're also gonna have two or three i think uh new uh board games with that you know feature alexa come out in the next year as well so it sounds really cool i really want to play it and i don't live near most of my super nerdy like gamer geek friends anymore so i need to make new ones so i can get people to play these games with me yeah um and what is what's interesting about it to us also is that it's there's lots of there's several games that are on um lexi and google home that are primarily their voice interactive first and only so like heads up or 20 questions or things like that this actually has a you know an accompanying board that has you know the gameplay and then some of the gameplay is enhanced slash goes through like it's substantively part of the um device software well and also like this this article that i'm sure max will put in the show notes that a friend actually on twitter just sent to me it says quote instead of the typical board game that remains an unaltered static experience sensible object which is the name of this company that's making this game is using alexa sorry lexi as a way to provide an interactive experience one that keeps people coming back through consistent updates and improvements and when i read that it's like so she's a dm Yes. No. no. Yeah, Dungeon Master. Dungeon Master, right. yeah. I was like, all of a sudden, I was like, I'm thinking of like direct messages, and I was like, slip into the DMs, and I'm like, oh, I'm getting this confused. Anyway, my worlds are com- like colliding. Anyway, um, yeah, so it's like, you know, so like I, I my, my high school boyfriend was really into D&D, and so I played D&D with him, and I played a little bit in college, but like I've never had friends again that were really into D&D, and I'd love to play it, but you have to find people that are really into D&D and like are committed to it to play and i just don't have any such friends now currently but i like the idea that i can basically just use lexi as my dungeon master yeah that's true yeah anyway we were very interested in that that's why we want to talk about it um some other news katie's going to discuss in a moment but this past week and assuming you're listening to this you know the week of june 17th or 18th (laughs) it was past week uh, she spoke at a conference that was put on by the uh, by Rain, Rain. Mm-hmm. yeah, who is a developer of uh, well games and other skills, they're voice apps. Yeah, they're basically the premier developer of skills, and so there are a number of ones that they're very public about. Of course, that they created. Like, I think Scooby Doo. They created Scooby Doo. They Dunkirk. created Dunkirk. Um, they uh, oh, I want to say Campbell's Soup. I may be wrong about that one, but they've done things like that, if not that specific one. And they've done a lot of things, and then apparently they've been commissioned to do a lot of other ones that they can't tell you about, or at least that's what they tell you when you talk to them, and they say, I can't tell you things, and it's like, okay, whatever. But point being, so I was invited to go to this conference. 
well, it's not a conference. It was like a one day, just like a uh, panel discussion about voice. And so I was like, okay, great. Sure. I'll go to um, New York. That sounds like fun. So I drive up there and I'm in like what I guess you could call the green room before the panel is to begin. And the people who are to be on the panel start filing in and I'm really busy and I did not have time to like stalk all the people. And plus you read people's bios and they always sound really impressive and you know, whatever. Like I sound super impressive in a bio, I suppose. And I'm not really. So, you know, whatever. So I'm, I get there. I'm expecting people basically at my level because, you know, why are they inviting me if, I, if they're not, right? And then I start meeting these people and there's a guy from Oxford University Press. There are two like super rich venture capitalists, like one of whom talks about how he like bought a $300 million um, medical, medical school. school. Um, and there's like a woman who's reasonably high up at Google with like Google Home and me. I made a like a game a time on uh, for Alexa. And so I was like, okay. So I was like, I went to the women's conference last year where Michelle Obama headlined with, um, oh my gosh. Shonda Rhimes. Yeah, Shonda Rhimes. They like had a discussion with each other. And one thing that they said was women often tend to feel like they don't belong in places. And they said, if you're in the room, you deserve to be in the room. And so I told myself inside my head, sitting in this green room, Katie, if you're in the room, you deserve to be in the room. That's what Michelle Obama would tell you. That's what Shonda Rhimes would tell you. And she did. She made Shonda land. That's amazing. So anyway, so I was like, okay. I don't actually care about any of these people per se because I'm not trying to get venture capital funding and um, I don't need to impress anybody from Google. So I am just going to test the hypothesis that I can be charming if I want to be. So I just try to be nice and friendly. And then we have the panel discussion. And then the two like venture capitalist people, they apparently hate voice technology, think it's terrible, think it's like destroying like humanity. And like, this is like, there's like people that have paid. Apparently I also learned that like, you know, the whole crowd paid like $50 or something to like be at this event. And so they're being, like, so negative. And it wasn't me, like, trying to be cool or anything. Like, at one point I was like, well, I'm just going to push back on that. And because, like, the one guy was saying, like, well, no one's ever going to use this technology because, you know, people can't afford it. And you have to understand that, like, while we're all rich, like, most people aren't. They can't afford things. And I'm sitting there thinking, like, oh, dude, <laughs> I'm not rich. Like, if only you knew. But I will not, like, start, like, spouting out about how I'm poor. But anyway, and I was like, well, that's actually not true because unlike smartphones, which cost $500 a piece, you know, you can get an Echo Dot for, you know, $40 and it's often on sale for $29. And that's actually why the um, projections for smart a device or not smart uh, voice device adoption have been uh, have exceeded expectations every quarter. And in fact, it's right now like 35 percent of people or households own these devices and it's projected that by 2020 80 percent of households will own these devices so i think they're projecting by the end of the year 55 percent of houses will have them yeah so for this guy to be like In oh no one will ever use this because people can't afford it i mean because at one point before he even said that he was like when i said like well you know these devices are much cheaper he was like he was like how much are they 200 300 like he was going to show me because he was going to tell me see the pores they can't afford that and i was like no they're 40 dollars, and you can often find them on sale for 29 and he was just like oh but then like kept going on with this point and anyway i just I really didn't like being, like, poor-splained to by, like, a man who also was, like, 
bragging about like buying a $300 million medical school. So um, anyway, as it turned out, I was then the hit of the event because I actually like voice devices, shocking as that may be as someone on such a panel. And I had a wonderful time. It was really great. And I just wanted to put that out there in case anyone ever feels like they're in a situation where they don't belong. Just be confident and we'll know a lot of statistics and, and, and it'll go well for you. If you're in the room where it happened, you deserve to be in the room where it happened. That's right. Thank you, Max. Good to bring it back to Hamilton. Um, but yeah, so uh, you enjoyed that. I did. I'll actually, I met some people at the conference who, um, you know, I'm now communicating with about some of the things, uh, the startups that they're building and we'll be featuring some of them in future podcasts just because they're pretty cool. But yeah, that's for the future. That is for the future. We can't tell you about that. Just like rain can't tell you about their stuff. Right. Exactly. (laughs) We're all under very strict NDAs now. Right. Well, actually we have personally something in the works with a company that's not Google won't mention names. It's also not Siri or Apple. So anyway, we might have something to announce soon, but can't talk about it yet yes we can't talk about it anyway the next thing we wanted to talk about was the idea of privacy this was a topic that we've actually put in the notes to do for several shows as a rant but has grown into a mega rant and though so we made it into a segment um because well there's lots of stuff about these devices and privacy and i'm gonna say i think it's overblown but I'll let Katie take away on the mega rant first. So this goes back to, so at that rain event, you know, the, the first question that was thrown out to the panel was, what do you think about voice devices? And me being myself, I jumped in first and I said, I think they're great. They're fantastic. I love them, whatever. And then the second person to talk was one of these like, you know, muckety muck investors. And he was like, well, I think they're terrifying because like, you know, my family is Jewish, which you know, for what it's worth, I'm also half Jewish and look Jewish enough that I get like anti-Semitic comments on Twitter, but that's neither here nor there. So he was like, and so, you know, I just believe that this is like the beginning of them all like coming and taking us away and like murdering us all. He didn't say it exactly that way, but I mean, he literally did mention the Holocaust and like murdering Jews. But so I was just like, okay. And then like the other guy also like was not happy with it and like, oh, privacy, blah, blah, blah. And so then I piped him and I said, my thing is, if you know anything about technology that already exists prior to adding voice into anything, you would already be so terrified that voice would not even enter into the equation. Because obviously every single person on this panel has a smartphone. Your smartphone pings cell phone towers everywhere you go. The police currently, without a warrant, there's actually a Supreme Court case that is currently pending regarding whether they will continue to need a warrant. But whether they need a warrant or not, they can, the police can look into your cell phone records and see where you went every day of your life since you've owned a cell phone. And um, there, I was also just listening to uh, a podcast that I listened to about like legal issues and they were talking about that Facebook is currently selling its face recognition technology at a very low price point to jurisdictions across the country, including the U.S. government. And the idea is that eventually there will be drones flying above us all the time, taking pictures and using Facebook's or Google's or whomever's um, facial recognition software. We'll know who everyone is and know where everyone is. So 
I am not that concerned about having a device in my home that I say, hey, play me some music, and it does. Because that is the least of our concerns if we're worried about privacy. And if you are worried about privacy, then you shouldn't be cool with your cell phone, cool with Google, cool with Facebook. But suddenly, Lexi is like, you know, just a leap too far and you're totally against it and you'll never invest in it. It's nonsense. Yeah, I agree. Thank you. Um, I just swore and Max is going to cut that out. <laughs> yes, I am. But not the part where you tell everyone you just swore. Yes, exactly. The issue I have with it is that it just, to me, seems like something that comes up every time there is new technology. Yes. That, oh, no, privacy. Oh, no, they can do X, Y, Z. And then it, it goes away because you become used to it. It's like when smartphones first came out and there was the location finder on and people were like, oh, they can track you, whatever. And now people have all kinds of things that track you wherever. The government can track you. And people don't really care that much about it until it makes news in some, like, terrible way. Well, and then it passes I again. Well, Myself, I am not a tech early adopter in the least. Okay, so I started college in the year 2000, and obviously, there were a lot of people back then that already had cell phones, but I was resistant because I was like, Why do I want people to be able to call me wherever I am? If I'm not in my room, if I'm not in my dorm room, then I don't want to hang out with you. I'm out doing fun things, I don't want to talk to anybody, and so I thought a cell phone would be a huge intrusion. And then my second year of college, I uh, started living off campus, and my boyfriend we like shared a car and so I needed to be able to find him on campus and so it's like I broke down and I got a cell phone and so it's one of those things where it's like yes every new technology has kind of a downside because in, in a lot of ways it does suck that your employer can get you at any time of day and that people can get you at any time of day but it's also super useful and I also can't imagine my life without a cell phone or even a smartphone anymore. And so the idea that we would want to go back to a time without that is so ridiculous. That's exactly how people are going to feel five to 10 years from now about um, voice activated devices because it's so convenient to not have to pick up a device and click through a bunch of menus to get the information you want. Right. And it's also convenient to have that information stored somewhere of things you like. Google is a superior search engine because it knows what you want to look at. It knows when you type something in the, the search bar what to get that you are more likely to see. Otherwise, it would get you just random stuff that you wouldn't want to use. And that's what makes it enjoyable. That's what makes all of the internet enjoyable, actually, is the idea that it has that information on what you like to see and use. Honestly, I just have to point, because jumping off what you just said, the thing that I have not understood up until now, I mean, I guess I do, but I don't, is why Google has managed to completely avoid all of the tech backlash seemingly compared to every other company because Google owns way more data about oh, yeah. you, knows way more about you. Google knows by far Facebook. the most information about you. They know so much about you. And if something bad can happen with your data through Facebook or through Amazon with, you know, Lexi or whatever, like, all the same bad stuff can happen from Google. Like, I I don't really understand why they've been completely insulated from this. I mean, I think a lot of it is because there hasn't been an obvious example of a breach or a pseudo-breach. Right. The, so Amazon Amazon's device is by far the most prevalent in American markets and most international markets at, by a long shot. Like, it far outpaces them. So, therefore, it's going to have more of these incidences, uh, like, uh, you know, calling the random contacts or randomly coming on and doing in like when you don't expect it to, it's just going to have more of these instances. 
than Google because there's just more devices. So it's going to make the news more. Similarly with Facebook, I think when we, we talked about Facebook on the show, the, Facebook has the idea that you're interacting with your friends and therefore there's like an intrusion element to it where Google is more disembodied and it's never really upfront that what they're using your, their, your information to do things. Right, and it feels like you expect that you're going to be delivered ads on a search engine so it doesn't feel as creepy in a lot of ways so I mean that's why I'm saying I do get and I don't get like I do get why people aren't up in arms but if you truly care about privacy to such an extent that you believe that this is going to allow the Nazis to take the Jews away and so therefore we shouldn't have um you know voice technology who should be way more concerned about just Google right or Facebook or your cell phone or anything else that people are already using that could easily allow the government to come and get you. And the ironic thing is, like, people are always concerned. This isn't even just, like, a voice technology issue. This is just a people issue. There are always these people who are thinking that, you know, they had a conversation near their cell phone, and then soon thereafter they got delivered an ad on Facebook. And so, therefore, Facebook Messenger must be listening in on their conversations. It's like, I mean, there was actually a Reply All episode about that recently where they kind of tried to debunk it although they didn't do a very good job and there are a lot of comments on twitter about how they could have brought up a lot more points but regardless the point is that it's going to happen that if you have enough conversations just by accident you will be delivered an ad that is somewhat relevant to your conversation even to the extent that it feels creepy just because there are like like an infinite number of conversations almost that happen every day and so some of them are going to then be followed by an ad kind of about that well, thing. And, and you're also going to have the, 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 uh, the phenomenon of something is brought to your attention and therefore you see it more. Right, so, so you've you just it. talked about, you know, flowers or something, and then you see a 1-800-Flowers ad. That's going to be more in your mind that you just talked about flowers, whereas you probably served dozens of flowers ads a day. You don't think about them because you weren't just talking about them. Right. And so the point is that do you know how – taxing it would be on Facebook servers for them to record every single conversation at all times because again the 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 conspiracy theory is that your microphone is basically just on constantly recording and they're listening to it they're then somehow recording all of everyone's conversations in the entire country they are then transcribing them in some way you know obviously through some sort of the technology not like a human being did it but and, and then they are mining that data for what you were talking about to deliver you an ad, it would cost them so much more than it would be worth to them to do that because they already know everything about you because you tell them on Facebook. So people freak out about like privacy concerns that are just truly not a real fear because it doesn't make economic sense. And you know what Facebook wants more than anything? Money. Yep. No, it's true. As I, as I was saying, as we were both saying, the the, the issue with privacy that Amazon's been having um, specifically and that all vo- voice systems are seemingly being caught up with is, frankly, in my opinion, overblown. And the reality is, is that things privacy does need to be protected, but you need to do it through regulatory matters. You need to do things like what Europe did with the GDPR. Yeah. Um, well, and also, okay, there was an uh, a podcast on Planet Money uh, a while back, I can maybe find it and have Max can then put it in the show notes. It was very telling. It was basically about how credit bureau 
agencies came about, you know, oh, so yeah. like what creates your credit rating. And basically the way it originally started was when people started actually moving from town to town in the United States, like, you know, hundreds of years ago or 150 years ago, um, people needed a way to know if somebody was like good for the money or not, if they didn't know them personally. And so there were these like organizations, like loose, not even really companies at first, that would compile data on people. And originally there was no regulation of this. Like it would be like people would go around your neighbors and be like, you know, is Katie a horrible person? Does she pay back her debts? But then they would go beyond that. They'd be like, does she cheat on her spouse? Does she go to church regularly? So, and then they would like compile these dossiers on like everyone. And then they would sell the information they had saying like, okay, you know, lend to Katie because she's not a whore that, and she does go to church, but don't lend to so-and-so because her next door neighbor said such and such. And, and then there was a scandal where it came out that this was going on. And obviously like, let's say your neighbor had it out for you. They could just tell them lies and they could tell them all kinds of stuff that doesn't even really impact your credit rating. Like who cares if you're a whore? Maybe you're like, you pay your bills every time, even though you also sleep around. So then people got really mad. There was this big scandal. And then there was this law passed that regulated what information they could collect and how they could report it and gave you the right to say, hey, that information is not correct and have it corrected because it's obviously very important to you if you can get credit or not. And so the point of me bringing this up is there are examples in in history for situations like this where company are companies are collecting data on people and they're not regulated and what happens and that's just one example but this has happened over the course of history what happens is companies will keep compiling data because it makes them money until finally there is a a scandal or a series of scandals that really pisses people off and then they you know get up in arms and then they convince the government to pass a law about it and then the companies are regulated and things get better right but the data still exists in some form like the companies still use it for a purpose the intended purpose of it right but it's just more regulated so the point is is that i i kind of i basically have faith that this will all work out eventually because i have faith that things will get worse to a point that there will be major scandals that people will get really really mad about and once those horrible, horrible things happen, then laws will be passed to stop this kind of stuff. But in the meantime, your choice is to either accept that your data is being used and it's probably going to end up involved in some kind of a scandal, or your other choice is to live in the Stone Age and not have a cell phone and not use Google and not use Facebook. And I'm sorry, I'm not willing to make that choice. Yep, I agree, clearly. That's why we have this podcast. So the final thing we wanted to talk about was this skit that is on the Michelle Wolf show, which is on Netflix. It is actually on the very first episode of the show, so it's available. And it involves uh, involves Lexi and it involves lunch meat. And that's really all I'm going to say about it because I think you should check it out. And that's pretty much it for that. It's really funny. I highly recommend it. And the yes. show overall is pretty funny. Yes. But that skit in particular, the first there's like actually three related skits about it throughout the whole episode and the first skit it's like that's really funny i don't know why it's so funny like there's just something about the idea of alexa and lunch meat that's funny and so but then like as it goes on it just gets even funnier builds into all kinds of weirdness weird wonderfulness yes but yes so we recommend it yes especially so anyway but yeah that is all for this episode of talk to me i'm your host max and i'm katie and we will talk to you later Bye. bye
proud to be part of the Voice First FM network.